What's up, Covenant College? <laughs> Happy President's Day. <laughs> it's one of my personal favorite holidays. It's my privilege uh, to introduce our guest speaker this morning, uh, Reverend Ben Wickner. Uh, if you were to look at his bio on his church's website, it would tell you uh, that he was an orphan in Korea who was adopted by Scandinavians in Iowa before marrying, marrying an Irish girl from San Francisco who he met in Northwest Georgia. So that tells you a little bit about his geographical background. It is important to note that he is a Covenant College alum. As is his wife. Um, he lived across the hall from me for a year. She did not. Uh, Pastor Wickner uh, did his MDiv at Westminster Seminary in California, um, served in an Orthodox Presbyterian church in California and in a very large megachurch uh, in Maryland. Um, he is now the founding pastor and currently the pastor of Cross Community Church, which is a PCA church in Rockville, Maryland. If you guys were old enough, you would know that REM says don't go back to Rockville. Um, you'll have to look that up at some point in time, but not right now. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience, um, he is quick off the dribble and has a really good jump shot. I learned this during intramural basketball, uh, but also saw Ben uh, take his game um, to the streets of Alton Park. He was someone who even as a student at Covenant College uh, was concerned uh, with ministry, uh, ministry across cultural barriers, across cultural boundaries. Um, and so we're really pleased to have him on campus with us today, along with his wife, Erin, and three of his seven children. Uh, William, Lily, and Hope are here. I think I got that right. Um, so would you guys please welcome back Reverend Ben Wickner. Remember this? Where's the music? I, I was gonna bust out my moves. I'm not actually here to speak. I'm gonna continue the K-pop sensation that is about to take over. Covenant College. Yeah. Come on. It's coming. The wave is coming, folks. I feel it. I think I was one of two Korean students here when I was here in the 90s, and it's good to see that there's some more cultural diversity happening here at Covenant College. As, it's actually a little bit about what I want to talk about because, um, and I thought about what on earth do I share with all these college students? Uh, this is a one-time, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me, and uh, well, maybe. Um, who knows, maybe I'll be invited again, but uh, of course I could get hit by a bus on the way, you know, next week too, so you just don't know. Um, but here's, here's the deal, I came to Covenant 
from such a weird background, and, and President Halverson, you gave a little bit of that background. It's just, it's funky. It doesn't make any sense. I am a total misfit. Or you could call um, pan-cultural. That's a more sophisticated way of putting it, I suppose. But I came to this college. I was young, restless, and decidedly unreformed. Okay. In fact, uh, when I came to Covenant, I had no clue what being reformed meant. I remember my first conversation about it because somebody said, so are you from a reformed church? And I said, um, uh, no, I was a pretty decent kid actually growing up because <laughs> I just assumed it was like reformatory school where you put the bad kids. And so, no, 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 no. It's like, it's like a certain type of church and theology. I was like, okay. So I actually was introduced to Covenant from a, I had never stepped into a Presbyterian church, had no idea what Covenant College was, uh, grew up in Iowa, and so we have certain opinions about the South growing up in Iowa, um, but I was doing a political campaign in North Carolina, and one day, this man, who I later found out was Frank Brock, met me at the door. Uh, he was there raising money for the school. I was there uh, staying at a home of a, a fairly wealthy donor to this can, uh, candidate, and he had crossed wires with the host, and so we ended up talking for an hour, and he invited me to come to Covenant, and that's how I came here. I literally enrolled uh, like four weeks later, much to the shock of my parents, you know. Uh, they were like, what on earth is this about? So, God had a way of bringing me here, and I can tell you this, this college had a huge impact on my life, huge impact. I, I still think about how much who I am and how I became who I am, so much of it was started right here at this school. I am um, I'm actually a first-generation first generation Asian, not the, the FOB type, you know, the fresh-off-the-boat type. Uh, I, I, I am a first-generation Asian in the sense that I was born in Korea, but then adopted, so I'm F-O-B-A, actually, uh, adopted by Swedes, F-O-B-A-S, maybe. So all that to say is I was pretty confused as a kid. Uh, Asian in Iowa in the 70s, now you got to remember, as a kid in the 70s and 80s, there's no internet. There's no cool Asians. <laughs> there's, there's no Asians in Iowa, period. I was like the only one, and so it was just very confusing. What am I... Am I Swedish? Am I Iowan? Am I American? Am I, I, well, I was just, it was very confusing. Now, I was pretty sure I wasn't black. I, I was confident <laughs> about that. But I did, I think I actually had a little bit of a hip-hop phase. I, I kid you not, in adolescence, because you know, you kind of tried everything. And I came to Covenant this way, very confused, very kind of just all over the map, not sh knowing who I was. And so I'm going to fast forward, because what Covenant did was it set me on a trajectory of help me to understand, and it's right there in the motto, in all things Christ preeminent. And I came to see for the first time in my life that there is a stable foundation. There is an anchor for my life, and his name is Jesus. And, you know, in college, that didn't necessarily take a hold of me. But over the course of time, it absolutely has. And, and this is where I would say that it began. So fast forward to today. I've been in pastoral ministry now for 17 years. We've got seven kids. Um, been married almost 23 years. And boy, I tell you, a lot has happened. But one of the things that has happened is 
the Lord has impressed upon me a life verse. And anybody have a life verse here yet? Some of you. That's awesome. It'll probably change, by the way, uh, before uh, the few years. Because that has a way of happening. You, 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 it evolves. Life evolves over the course of time. But that's amazing. I don't think I got my life verse until about like two years ago. And this is what it is. It's 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And so just what I want to share about is from this verse, my life verse. And, and this is, maybe familiar to many of you, for my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect. In weakness, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. That's become my life verse. And so what, because it captures so much of who I am and what God has done in my life, what started here at Covenant has continued then uh, these last two decades. So I want you to consider a few things, just a few brief things with me uh, along this journey that that God has worked in me. And I think it's going to be somewhat similar or certainly will resonate with you, if not already, over the course of your life. So, first of all, where you come from. We all have a past, folks. And part of the beauty about our past is, and part of the hard part is, it's a past. And some of it is a really difficult past. And a lot of it you didn't choose. I didn't choose being an orphan. I didn't choose being adopted. I didn't choose growing up in Iowa. These things were given to me. These things were chosen for me. These things God had providentially laid out. And it's one of the most remarkable things when we talk about our past, where we come from, is that it is just this vulnerable reality. And I think that's something that that we love about thinking about our past, or at least listening to other people's stories about their past. Anybody read uh, the books um, Born a Crime or Hillbilly Elegy? Anyone? Dude, you guys got to read those two books. Those are awesome books. Uh, Born a Crime, Trevor Noah, growing up in South Africa as he was literally born a crime because he was born to a a white man and a black woman. He was illegal. In South Africa at the time. Hillbilly Elegy growing up poor in the mountains of Kentucky and in the hills of Ohio. And what's so fascinating about that is so real. Again, they didn't choose those stories. Those stories were given to them, but it's how it shaped them. And it's a sharing it. It's so fascinating because it's so authentic. It's so very real, a part of them. And so our past shapes us, but doesn't necessarily define us. And so let me get to the second thing. Not only do we have to think about our past, but we also think about who we are right now. Who you are now. Are, are we just simply a bunch of biological and chemical impulses and compounds? Are we a collection of our past experiences? So you were a victim. Will you always be a victim? Or maybe you were a perpetrator. And that's who you're going to be for the rest of your life. No. I think we know that not, those th- that just doesn't satisfy. That doesn't give any true answers, and it certainly does not give any hope for the future, does it? It's so much more than that. My, in my experience, in terms of who I am, both who I was at Covenant and who, even who I am today, is that it changes. It changes over time. So in college, I was this actually super political guy. I, I have to laugh about it. Some of you, I know there's some who were here in school and some even professors here. 
but I remember I was so known as being the political guy that one time a professor, I kid you not, stopped me right up front there. We got into an exchange about my political views, and he literally said to me, he said, you are the voice of Satan. I'm not kidding you. I, apparently, I was a little bit obnoxious about my politics as well. But, uh, you know, that has so changed. I just, it's laughable today, actually. But, you know, my name has changed over the course of year. My, my legal name is Ben Quan Wickner, which is very confusing in and of itself. Um, and over the course of the years, I've gone by Ben, I've gone by Benjamin, I've gone by BK, because there's something sophisticated about that, you know. Pastor Ben, I'm kind of mo- moving towards the urban Ben, the B Quan. How's that work for you? B Quan. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. But this is, this is, despite all the changes, the evolving kind of, who am I? The thing that I first learned at Covenant, what started me on the path was the anchor to my soul. The anchor to my identity, who I really am. Yeah, my name can change. My, certainly my job titles, my, my family, my goodness, I came here with not even married and no kids, and now I'm married to seven of them. That all changes. But the one consistent, the one consistent is I have and I need an anchor, and his name is Jesus. That is the one thing. And this is what Jesus says. My grace is sufficient for me. For you. And I'm learning, and still learning, I haven't learned this, folks, but I'm learning to boast in my weaknesses. To boast in my weaknesses so that Christ may be that much stronger in me. Now, I want to conclude here. This is a short message. I only get like 20 minutes or so, I think. With where you're going. Where am I going? Where are you going? Because you got a whole life ahead of you, folks. It's so exciting to think about. Co- I loved college. Man, this is a great time of life. Make the most of it. But you got a whole life ahead of you. And so what I want to do is I want to share just a few lifelong lessons learned that have shaped my identity, that, that kind of have then been filled out by my life verse. And one of my hopes for you, just even from this message, is, is that you might even learn these things sooner than later. I think I'm a little bit of a late bloomer. I would have loved to have learned some of these things sooner than later, but better late than never. So consider these. First of all, I think we have these on the overhead. First of all, don't take yourself too seriously. Rather, be serious about humility. You know, we live in an image and perception ruled society. We, we cultivate our images. We ha- want to have this certain look. We want people to perceive us in a certain way. And incredibly, we can, in some ways, do this. We can falsify our image because of Facebook and social media. As long as you isolate yourself from actual community and really knowing people, But you can cultivate your social media presence and really have this awesome persona over the internet anyway. But one of the things I would encourage you to do, one of the life lessons to learn moving forward is is to be able to laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously, guys. I know I took myself way too serious, and it's still a temptation today. 
You know, be able to embrace your inner weird, because you all got it. I, I know I do. I have to ask my family. You know, your, your, your true goofiness is there. I, I don't know if this helps you or not, but something that helps me as I think about not taking myself or anybody else too seriously is just that, you know, from whether from our president to the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, to, you know, the street beggar, to you, to me, is we all have to wipe our own bums. It, I, I, yeah, I'm just saying. It's true. I, you know, okay, I mean, you don't, we don't think about it a lot. In fact, it's kind of ironic because we talk about it as being sitting on the throne, you know, high and mighty throne, when it's the most humblest of things of acts, it just helps me. We're all the same at the end of the day. Humility, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Be serious about humility. And humility, as has been said, and maybe you've heard, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Because you're thinking about your God and about others. Which brings me to the second lifelong lesson learned, and that is fight for kingdom righteousness and justice, not the kingdom of self. The tendency, and the older you get, the more this temptation rises up, is, is as we want to take our own, ourselves too seriously, is to build our own monuments in memory of, and look what we've accomplished. And it can be so subtle, because the monuments that we build can be, can be things like, look at how humble I am. Look at how, how disinterested I am in your approval. You know, I love Isaiah 58 because here's about true religion. This is about true fasting. Uh, the prophet Isaiah as, uh, as uh, inspired by God. And in verses 6 and 7 he says, is not this the fast that I choose? All right, you want to know what I find impressive? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke, to share your bread with the hungry, when you see the naked to cover him. Now, man, I thought, God, you were impressed with 40-day fasts or pilgrimages or something really religious like that, right? No, it is making a difference in people's lives. It is shining the love and the light of Christ. It is to as Isaiah later goes on to say, is to be known as one who repairs and restores. It's justice and righteousness on the earth. That is true religion, true worship. It is, give, it is our committing ourselves to the Lord, Yahweh, which, again, as some preachers have said, it may be helpful for you, not your way, not my way. Yahweh, that's who we worship, that's who we follow. Which brings me to the third point, the third lesson learned. Religion spoils, Jesus saves. I've been in religion pretty much my whole life. And I've been a pastor of a religious group for the last 17 years a sect of religion called Christianity and Protestantism and Evangelicalism. And 
not all Presbyterianism, actually. I was in a non-denominational church for a time. But boy, I tell you, this has been so significant for me. Religion spoils, Jesus saves. The thing about religion, guys, is at the end of the day, I, I, it's really about us. It's about what you do, how you work, how you perform. It's, it's your strength, your power, your faithfulness. Religion is the rich young ruler. Remember him? In the Bible, the rich young ruler who comes with, oh yeah, I've obeyed all those commands. I've obeyed all those laws, right? He's expecting some kudos from Jesus, and Jesus says, go and sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. He's like, what? That's not in my playbook. And he went away sad. Because he had practiced religion his whole life. And Jesus says, no, it's about me. And here's what it looks like for you. Only Jesus saves. Not religion. Not what we bring to the table. Only Jesus saves. And you know what Jesus saves us from? Jesus saves us from ourselves. Our sin. Our past. Even our present. Jesus is the rock-solid foundation that by which we can ground our lives and, and set a course that won't be full of ourselves, that won't be full of, of trying to build monuments to things in, in, in our own towers of Babel, if you will. Friends, I really, if there's one thing I want to just get across to you is just set your course, set your course on the Lord Jesus Christ. Your identity on him. And, be, and when you do that, here's the thing. It will, sh it will rock your world. It will change your life. When you get off of religion and, and about, oh, I'm Reformed or I'm Presbyterian or I've been baptized or I've done confirmation or whatever it is or I've done these missions trips even. No. None of those things save. None of those things impress God. Jesus impresses God because he fulfilled the law on our behalf. He's the one who gave his life for us. And so when we set our life on that rock and on this course and our identity on Christ, that's when we're freed up. This is when we can walk in humility because guilt, shame, it doesn't matter anymore. It's still hard, but we have a new course. We have a new identity. The junk in our lives, the past that you still struggle with, your present. Because some of you here in this audience, I have no doubt, are dealing with addictions of one sort or another. Eating disorders. Some of you are struggling with depression right now and you've had suicidal thoughts in the last week. Some of you have been cheating on your tests and it's eating you up. Some of you are cheating on your friends in whatever capacity. And Jesus says, you need one thing, me. You need what I can offer you because my grace is sufficient for you. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy. There's nothing else that's going to be ultimately sufficient at the end of the day. And so I just encourage you, you know, my church, we're not a very traditional Presbyterian church. We're low pres. Um, we have altar calls. Crazy, I know. Um, 
And I'm not going to do one here. <laughs> Freak you all out or whatever. But, but I do want to call you to consider right now what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I just want to give you a chance, and I want to close in prayer, but even as we pray, I want to give you a chance just to wrestle with God a little bit. What, Jesus, what are you saying to me? What past, what junk, what, what have I been hiding, what shame, what guilt? What have I been identifying myself with, trying to build on something that is not you and does not satisfy and cannot save? I just want to take this moment as, as I lead us in prayer to give that over to the one who satisfies. Allow in your weakness for Jesus to be truly strong, to be glorified. Set your course on the Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, trying God, you are ever near. You are present even right now. And you are particularly present with the brokenhearted, the contrite, the humble. And there are some right here, Lord God, who you're doing business with. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would give them the faith, the courage, the humility to just step forward in obedience, to cast their burdens upon you, to be willing to say, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to keep living a lie. I'm going to live honestly before you because I know that you are better than my lies. You're better than my shame. God, help each one here today. Set their course, their trajectory on you, Lord God. And the days and the months and the years to come, Lord, right here at Covenant, establish that foundation. Build upon the rock of Jesus Christ, Lord. Be glorified in our midst today. Do your work as only you are able to do. I pray this all in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing the doxology, but if any of you are just want to talk, I'll be up here. We're not going away. We're going to have lunch, I guess, here, but uh, I'd love to be able to talk and pray even after this time. Let's sing the doxology together. Praise God Dismissed.